You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello and welcome to Catholic Saints. Today we're going to be talking about the first apostolic father, the fourth pope, so the third from Peter, Peter, Linus, Cletus, and Clement. My name is Dr. Ben Akers. I'm the Chief Content Officer here at the Augustine Institute. I'm joined with Professor Venestrom, Carl Venestrom, mm -hmm. who teaches at our graduate school. Thanks for joining me, Carl. Yeah, so glad to be here. Thanks. So man. we're talking about, I love the series that we go through with the saints, because, and, and you have responded as viewers and as listeners that you have also enjoyed listening to the saints mm -hmm. and the conversations that we have with the professors, um, because the saints are real historical people mm -hmm. that lived at a particular moment. They had their own challenges. Uh, and they had their victories mm -hmm. in their life. And one of the things I love about St. Clement is he's so early to the apostles. Right. And yeah. we even have like Irenaeus, one mm -hmm. of the you know, early church doctor and father of the church that writes and says, yeah, he actually met the apostles. He yeah. talked to them. It almost as if he had the ringing of the apostles preaching in his ears. Yeah, yeah, that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, you have... Um... Yeah, Pope St. Clement I, and then Ignatius of Antioch, who Irenaeus talks about in similar terms. He's yes. more connected with John, so you have these different trajectories you can follow. Um, yeah, it's this beautiful thing. Um, we have St. Clement. He's, he's the first of these popes after Peter that we hear from in the historical record, and yet the popes before him were serving as popes and anointing the sick and celebrating the Eucharist yeah. and doing all these things that were necessary to, to, move, to move the church forward. Um, and they and, were killed. And they were martyrs. killed and yeah. martyred. Yeah, 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 precisely. Yeah, so there's this, this beautiful witness. It's, we, don't, we don't skip to Augustine and then Aquinas and then Pope Francis yeah. and then uh, us today. There's um, people in every little nook and cranny of, of that whole history that um, aren't just taking up space, but are these beautiful witnesses to Christ, Christ's life. No, I like that you mentioned that, that we actually don't have information about Linus and Cletus, really. Yeah. Pope two and Pope three. Yeah. But what kind, I mean, they might, I mean, these be the kind of men that are chosen by mm. the priests that are the deacons that are in Rome at the time to say, this person will succeed mm. Peter. Yeah, like like the Peter the who knew Jesus and received the keys of the kingdom from Jesus that they saw it as an office that needed to be uh you know, a, needed a successor needed to be replaced. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult shoes to fill. Like, yeah. um, yeah, it's like following a, a great football coach or something. Yeah. Like, who's the next football coach of yeah. the New England Patriots going to be? Like right. after Bill Belichick. But um, yeah, yeah, they still they must have had great dignity and spiritual depth and. Uh, this this ability to to lead uh, the Christian people, and it, it seems like Clement really had that. So, um, what do we what do we know about Clement? Yeah, why do we know more about him than Linus and Cletus? Right, P partially I think because he responded to a controversy. So he was Pope um, like ninety one to one hundred two. Okay. So even just saying those dates, you get a sense of how close that is to Christ, but especially to Paul and John and. And, and all of the apostles. But 
he he's remembered particularly because we have this letter from him and there are other works attributed to him you know you did something really right if uh people start to claim yeah that. yeah if people put their works Carl under Vernstrom your name wrote this yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's right i can only hope yeah <laughs> um but there is one authentic work uh which is this letter to the corinthian church and it echoes in a lot of ways paul's letters mm. to them because uh, are you saying that the church in Corinth didn't listen to Paul the first yeah. time or the second time? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> <Okay>. right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were habitual abusers. So um, yeah, they tried with Paul, and then they brought in the popes. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. There was this controversy. So um, there were presbyters who were upended by these young upstarts of some kind, and this resulted in a schism between these groups. And so Pope Clement uh, gives what um, Pope Benedict says is a, a first act of, of Roman primacy. Mm. So he actually doesn't name himself at the beginning of the letter, but he identifies himself sort of as the Roman church. The Roman church writes to you, or the church in Rome writes to you. Um, and so there's, yeah, there's this kind of weightiness even to the beginning of the letter. That, that's um, striking that, it is yeah, historically striking that this person in Rome, in the western part of this empire, sees it as his duty hmm. to respond to a controversy that's in the east. Yeah. That he has that kind of self-understanding of his position and his role hmm. as Holy Father. Yeah, that's right. To solve a problem in another part of the church when Corinth is actually uh, closer to Ephesus, which yeah. is where John... Mm-hmm. There's a chance that John the Apostle is still alive and living mm. in Ephesus, who's mm. another apostle, actually an apostle of Jesus Christ, and Clement's yeah. you know, third down from an apostle. Right, yeah, that gives you a sense of uh, yeah how the hierarchy of the church works, um, and there are these different gifts and roles, and up, the role of apostle is one of the most important, but in the question of like doctrine and church order and morals, yeah, turned to Rome, and it seems like probably some people in Corinth went to him for help, mm. um, or at least that's likely um, yeah. that he would have heard about it somehow, and yeah. Now, what does he do? How does he write the letter? Is it all stern? Is it all fire and brimstone, or what's yeah. the gist of the letter? So I think he he encourages people to repentance, and he gives these examples of, he gives these examples from the Old Testament of repentance and the failure to repent. And he 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 grabs off for that for a yeah, second because yeah, that's, that's actually fascinating too because we're in the early church and one of the early church heresies is going to be how does the Old Testament connect to the New Testament? Yeah, that's right. And so he's off the bat saying, no, we could turn to the Old Testament for actually guidance in this situation. Definitely, yeah. He appeals to the Old Testament constantly in this mm-hmm. work. Um, and at this point, the New Testament is so fresh, and there's still going to be debates yeah. about which works yeah. are included in it and. Actually, this work itself is quoted by some church fathers as scripture. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it comes to have this incredible weight. But yeah, it helps reinforce this idea. At this time, he's yeah, in, he's just in the thick of it, and everyone's all Orthodox Christians are turning to the Old Testament for for guidance in these kind of questions. That's right. Yeah. So he so he has this letter. He's going through Old Testament examples and New Testament examples mm-hmm. of. 
you know, if you mess with the rulers, mm-hmm. it doesn't end well for you. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, and he's a, he's a good Roman because he um, he says, consider the Roman army. Yeah. Like, what works, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> can you think of a system that works? The Roman army is pretty good, and everyone stays in their place. But he doesn't stop there. It's not just like we're going to be the military. Yeah. Um, it's a call to love and humility. So, yeah, uh, you ha- you have to obey, but there has to be this mutual love between, and he borrows a lot of images from Paul, the the head and the body. Um, And everyone has to play their part, and when they do, there will be mutual love and peace and, and concord. Um, Seems like he's he knows his audience. He's also diplomatic. He knows his audience well. Hey, you guys have received two letters from St. Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Let me remind you of those letters. Right, and... yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to read those, uh, those allusions and quotations as... Uh, yeah, a kind of dig. I mean, maybe it's not playful, but yeah, a kind of like, yeah, he he cuts to the quick, certainly. Yeah. Is there anything striking in the letter that you think would be the reader might enjoy, or well, the listener might enjoy? Yeah, yeah. 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 There's 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 one kind of fun thing in in the in the middle of the letter. There's this. He gives these images for uh, for the resurrection, and one is night and day. So. Night gives way to day and light, obviously. And the other is from John, the seed that goes into the ground and decays, but then uh, grows up as a plant. The third one, which is less familiar, less familiar, is of the phoenix. So he tells the story. There's this phoenix in Arabia, and every 500 years, it makes this coffin-like nest. This bird, yeah. Yeah, yeah this yeah, bird, yeah. yeah. And it makes this coffin-like nest with myrrh and this kind of incense, and or not incense, but frankincense. And then it dies, and a worm is born, and the worm eats the flesh, and then it it carries, it grows up into a bird, and then carries the bones to the temple of the Heliopolis in yeah. Egypt. And everybody knows about this, and they keep records, and it's every five hundred years. And this is image for the incarnation. And on the one hand, it's kind of taking this Roman. Uh, myth or idea and baptizing it. So it would have been something that everyone was familiar with and it would have given them just like one more little lens to think about the resurrection of Christ. Um, But I was actually thinking the really important thing or one really important contribution that Clement makes is to this idea of apostolic succession and so he he talks about how... Would you be like how the apostles were... Instituted by Christ. Exactly. And then when they die, the office doesn't just go away. It's actually an office that needs to be filled. Filled by successors, mm-hmm. yeah. And priests have to be anointed and, and, and made priests and with, with the Holy Spirit, right? And, and of course, he's part of this tradition. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's one way to think of the image of the phoenix, too. That, um, and there's the image of martyrdom. The, the phoenix is carrying the bones, like... We're we're carrying the memory and um, especially the memory of martyrs in, in imitation of Christ forward into the future from the past. Mm. Um, and, and Clement is an excellent example of this. Um, and I know you you were. You I like that. To you talk know, about... I, as as you say, like <laughs> let's talk about the Phoenix. I I, I was struck by uh, again having lived in Rome that some mm. of the churches have these mos- these beautiful apps mosaics in the apse, the little stones that they put and they 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 have the saints and images of Christ and Mary. But some of there's a couple places in Rome where there's actually a like a palm tree, and on top of the palm tree is a mm. phoenix bird. Mm. And in one of them, in, in distinctly, and I'm trying to think exactly which church it is, the phoenix has a halo on it. 
It was just always as you could visit the church, like, yeah. why does that bird have a halo <laughs> on it? <laughs> because it's a, it's a, a, a Christ image. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's these. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of beautiful images. Like the pelican is another mm. one. Yeah. Um, Where the pel- the idea is that the pelican will will strike her own breast. Breast. Yeah. And bl- feed her children with the blood. With the blood. Yeah. So, so it's Euch- the image of the Eucharist. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the the phoenix is kind of a fun one because it's so unfamiliar yeah. unfamiliar to us. I think like a lot of the unless you're a Marvel fan, unless you're a Marvel fan, yeah, right, 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 right. Um, but no, thanks for sharing that. That's fun. Uh, now, do we know what happened? Like, did the P, did the Church of Corinth respond positively or negatively towards this letter? We at least have a copy of it. So yeah, that's uh, right. Um, yeah, I mean, we we know um, things settled down eventually. I'm okay. I have to convince ignorance. I'm not sure if we know precisely how the thing ended up, but the I mean, in in time, it it definitely yeah. settled down. And then this this letter itself was extremely popular in the period that followed. It's quoted by you said Irenaeus, but Eusebius and Clement of Alexandria and all, all of these people quote it as being a preeminent text. That's fascinating yeah. that even in the early church, it wasn't just a letter and they you know threw it away, but this is, they kept it, right. they copied it, it spread throughout to other churches mm-hmm. as yeah. like, this is significant teaching. Yeah, and this is a good example of, it seems like Clement meant this both to address a specific, a specific situation, but also something that could be profitable to anyone, mm-hmm. which it obviously is because we can read it today with such profit, but... Um, and, and there are good examples of this. I think, um, for instance, he, he treats some liturgical questions and he even, he even, so he's, he's worried about the liturgical situation on the one hand, just the schism, but maybe also how the liturgy is being celebrated. So he says that, uh, that Christ taught his disciples that these things needed to be observed carefully and in good order. And so he seems worried about that. And he offers this really beautiful prayer at the end, which seems to be a kind of model for how a bishop or a priest might pray in, in the Mass, actually. So I, I, th- I thought I might just read... Yeah, please do. That'd just, be great. just a short excerpt. It, I think it gives you a sense of um, his... Well, I mean, the prayer itself is cosmic in scope, but yeah. also, um, also kind of warm in, in a way. So I'll just read this uh, yeah. brief, brief little bit. You alone are the benefactor of spirits and the God of all flesh, looking into the depths, scanning the works of humans, the helper of those who are in peril, the savior of those in despair, the creator and guardian of every spirit. You multiply the nations upon the earth, and from among all of them you have chosen those who love you through Jesus Christ, your beloved servant, through whom you instructed us, sanctified us, and honored us, and honor us. We ask you, Master, to be our helper and protector, Save those among us who are in distress. Have mercy on the humble. Raise up the fallen. Show yourself to those in need. Heal the sick. Turn back those of your people who wander. Feed the hungry. Ransom our prisoners. Raise up the weak. Comfort the discouraged. Yeah. That is beautiful. I mean, it's the cosmic nature, as you mentioned, and then, but really to the practical of there right. are people that are hungry. There are people that are poor. There are people in the church that, you know, in Corinth that he's writing to, mm-hmm. but I'm sure he's also in Rome. He's thinking of, caring for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's helpful in situations where there's discord to remember the cosmic, but also the lowly. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, to appeal to God as creator and to all of creation, these really big ideas, it 
shows you sort of how small and stupid your conflict is. Use the perspective. Yeah. yeah, but then also the practical of people need help. People need to be clothed. People need to be fed. And you guys are just fighting about power and bad homilies and bad homilies. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they ousted them, right? They yeah. kicked in the nose. That's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, they were too long. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, they weren't relevant enough. No, but I, yeah, I think. Yeah, on the one hand you have the sick, on the one other hand you have like the stars and all of creation. Yeah, and this should make you feel small on the one hand, stupid on the other. And then, and then, and just to connect it back to the phoenix image of Jesus rose from the dead. He died and rose from the dead. Like we too will die. Yeah, and we hope to rise with him forever. The resurrection. So life is short. Yeah. Right. And so like he's get perspective, people. Like mm-hmm. the God who created the universe came and became one of us to save us from our mm-hmm. sins. He wants you to care and love the brother that you're with. Stop yeah. fighting. Yeah, he'll like, be your get judge. Over it. He'll be. Yeah. He's, this is. Yeah, this person <laughs> is going to judge you someday. Yeah. He's soon. your savior, but yeah, yeah, you should have some holy fear. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's beautiful. Anything else that you think that uh, you know our, our audience, listeners, and viewers might, um, what you know, how what we can learn from Clement today? Hmm. Yeah, I think I think on the one hand, just. To, to contemplate this idea that after Christ died, rose, um, ascended into heaven, and the Holy Spirit came upon the church, then something had to happen after the apostles to, to get us to today. And um, we, have, we have a lot of beautiful witnesses, and the Holy, the Holy Spirit has moved step by step. Um, so Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sextus, Cornelius, right. all the things from all the, the the popes and martyrs from the Eucharistic prayer, but God has worked through these these really beautiful people to 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 keep the church keep the church united and keep love and humility alive. That's beautiful. We get these little glimpses, you know, from this letter of Clement, that of of how the church is is growing and developing, mm-hmm. and we're at a point now that. Yeah, we you know, even though Clement will die a martyr, mm. but he uses a little bit of time he has to try to be the pastor and 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 theologian, mm. or the help you know to the to the church in need. Yeah, yeah, well said. No, thank you, Carl, for joining me. Yeah, so glad to be here. Thank you for joining us. Remember that these are not are these the saints that we're discussing, real historical people, but are our friends in heaven. So mm. we can pray to them. His feast day is November twenty third. Mm. So we say, Pope Saint Clement, pray, pray for, for us. us. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustine Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.